our hearts are heavy because of our brethren in Israel. So we dedicate this to Am Yisrael and also the broader humanitarian. We're torn apart by all kinds of violence. But um, as children of survivors, we, uh, we understand the existential threat. My father was actually in a supermarket with my twin sister and had to go into a miklat. And I don't think he had done that since Vienna. So let's begin. And I'm going to discuss today the two censuses. If you split Bamidbar, it's a sefer called the Book of, uh, of the Wilderness. And yet, what do we call it in the Septuagint and in English? We call it the Book of Numbers. Why? Because at the beginning and at the end of the book, uh, there is a census. There are two censuses, sensei. There are two censuses in the book of Numbers. In the first chapter, there is a national census of men between age 20 and 60. And in chapter two, there's the layout of the camp and the precise camping and marching order. And then three and four is the Levim. And then at the end of uh, the census, there is another census. And the first census is Lefi Galim. Everything is Mishkan-oriented. Everything is Mishkan-oriented. Whereas the census that we will be discussing later is not Mishkan-oriented. The census in the first year of the wilderness is 603,550. Whilst the one in the 40th year is 601,730. And so we're going to compare and contrast numbers one and numbers 26. And the number of males 20 years and older implies a population of well over 2 million, including women and children. Well, there are some scholars who su suggest that that assumes that the word LF means a thousand, but I don't want to go into that rabbit hole, <laughs> but let's now look at the Natsiv's introduction to uh, this transition from the first census to the second. And my focus today will be the Hamikdover. The Hamikdover is a work written by the Natsiv around 1849 for 10 years. And then he survived his own Hamikdover and was able to write on the side. This is the manuscript of the Natsiv's Hamikdover, and you can see additions because he had seen the printed edition of his own work come to fruition and wrote Hagos on the side. And you can see interlinearly and on the side, these Hagos. Now, the Natsiv's manuscript were handed down to the Shapira family, our cousins, who later on was able to, in the 70s, was able to reprint the Natsiv with what they call the Harchivdova. And so they were able to, to reprint it with this. Unfortunately, there were two or three editorial omissions because they are very Haredi and they didn't want any mention of 
commentaries on the Bible that the Nitziv liked that they didn't approve of, including Mendelssohn's Biur. So those were edited out, which is very unfortunate, as in all editorial decisions. <laughs> but here is the actual, I wanted to share with you what his handwriting looked. Um, his handwriting, uh, his, his um, commentary is very um, dense. It's an Aramaic and biblical kind of Hebrew. It's a very, very difficult Hebrew. Now, Let's just share with you the actual text that's brought in Cooperman's edition of uh, the Hamikdover, and let's just look at this. In his introduction to the Sefer Bamidbar, the Nitziv points out the dual nature of the census in the beginning of the book and in the end of the book, and the census mentioned in our parsha in the second year of their wanderings in the wilderness and the second census at the end of 40 years in the wilderness. So we have a census in the beginning and a census at the end of the wilderness. The Nitziv says that these two censuses mark a distinct transition in the history of the Jewish people. So let's read it. Sefer Nikra B'Mishnah Yuma, and in the Tana Rabbechina ben Gamliel, in the Gemara and Soita, it's called Chumash HaPakudim. Ah, that's where we get the idea that this is called the Book of Numbers, not the desert, Bamidbar. Bamidbar just happens to be the first word of the, of the Sefer, just for Ele Shmos B'nei Yisrael is Shmos. Bracious Barlakim is Bracious. Ele HaDevorim is Devorim. But actually, it's called Chumash HaPakudim, the fifth of the Bible that is called Numbers, Vachain Kosov Habahag, and Nirsham Badas Rabbeinu Sena. So the Nitziv says that it's clear from the mind of our rabbis, our sages, that the reason we call the book of Numbers Numbers, Shebazeha Sefer Yosef Mishari Devarim Shemiyuchodim Bazeha Sefer. Now, this is the Nitziv's editorializing. The Nitziv is saying that. There were many things that occurred in Bamidbar, the spies, Miriam, uh, the rebellions and everything. No, no. He's saying the Iker Seir Sefer, the point of this Sefer, the underlying trajectory of this Sefer, who hamachlif umashane halichus amashem b'chaye oilam, it is the transition, hamachlif, a distinct transition in the history of the Jewish people, from what to what? The end point being arrival at the shores of Eretz Israel. Wow. The Nitziv is talking history, not content. He's saying that the reason for the first census and the last census is to show a transition that's occurring in the life of the nation. The Nitziv has a notion of history. The Nitziv and Rupsodok in the 19th century are the first to talk about the sweep of Jewish history. No one talks like that. In his introduction before Shehashirim, the Nitziv has a, a, an essay on anti-Semitism. An essay, long, talking about the history of anti-Semitism from the beginning to the times in Russia. It's a sweep of history. 
שמבמדבר היו מתנהגים במידס תפרס in the wilderness, the behavior was with the meter of Tiferes. Wow. That the entire behavior in the Midbar was a mirror of the personality and the cult of Moshe, who was He was above nature. It was supernatural. Their whole being in the Midbar was a supernatural kind of existence. We went from supernatural to natural laws of nature, where the providential interference was hidden in the history of the kings of Israel and the judges and everything. That already began in the 40th year before going into Eretz Israel. So he's saying that the first census versus the second census, that the census was not done chronological. The tribes were not counted based on age. In the first census, they were through their degalim, through the flags, based on the way they traveled in the desert. Each tribe traveled in a certain position, relationship to the Mishkan, to the divine presence in the tabernacle. This traveling was based on the degalim, according to Chazal, to the heavenly chariot. And the way they appeared down on earth is the way the heavenly chariot travels, as it were. However, the counting of the Sefer Bamidbar at the end of 40 years was done chronologically. The first counting took place when the people's existence was manifested on a supernatural level, and they had manna from heaven, water from the well, and at the end, they entered a different type of life. And let's carry on. And then he starts to quote this medrash, which we'll go into. The normal existence at the end of Sefer Bamidbar was the transition point for going into Eretz Israel. They went from being a nation which lived on the manna from heaven to a nation that had to live on the laws of nature. And the points in time for the Nitziv historically were marked by the two countings, the census. The first based on the Degalim, reminiscent of the Shechina, and the second being Minateva, on the natural way. And this is why the book is called the Book of Countings, because the countings mark the transition of Klal Yisrael from a supernatural to a natural existence. Now, he quotes the proof of this. He uses a Midrash in Breshit Rabbah. And this is a very interesting medrash. And the medrash starts as follows. The second posuk in the Torah, it says, Vayome Elohim Yehi Or. And God saw that it was light. Vayehi Or. And it was light. Vayar Elohim Eta Or Kitov. And God saw that the light was good. Vayavdel Elohim Ben Or Ben Achoshech. So he divided the light between darkness and light. 
Yom. And so he called the night day. That is the second verse in the Bible and comes along the Midrash and tells us something very interesting. The Midrash tells us, Omar Rabbi Simon, hey pa'amim ketiv kan ora. There are five mentions of the word ora in this pasuk. The pasuk says, Vayom Elohim Yehi Or, Vayehi Or, Vayar Elohim Esor Kitov, Vayavdel Elohim Esor Ben Achoshech Ben Achor, Vayikrol Etor Yom. Five times. And now Rabbi Simon says, these five mentions of Or are not just a cosmological history of light from darkness, which is the Pshat. Pshat is how do we get the light separated from the darkness, and now we have light. This is all before the sun was created in the fourth day. This is a supernal kind of light. We've talked about this. And he says now, I'm going to tell you something. The five mentionings of the word or. Torah. <laughs> what? I'm talking about the history of the universe, the Big Bang Theory, light, explosion, energy, and the creation of our cosmological world. And Rabbi Simon, first century, is telling us, you know, I'm going to bring it down to the Am Yisrael's level. The five mentions of light are the five books of the Torah. Very cute, but let's go into them. or Let there be light. Well, can I get say fabricious? <laughs> That's obviously the first book of the Bible, the creation of light. Okay, I'm good with that because that's when God got involved in creating the world. So I guess the first or let there be light is reflected in the book of Genesis. Next, let there be light. Okay, and there was light. Now he goes from the cosmological to the historical. So the let there be light is bracious, and there was light is shmos. Why? Shebo yatsu Yisrael me'afelo la'ora. Brilliant. We went from darkness to light. Let there be light, and there was light. You know what the light was? Yitzias Mitzrayim. So we've gone from the cosmological era to the historical era. From the creation of light to, and there was light, and you know how I can prove it? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We went out of darkness of Egypt, an existential state of darkness, to an enlightened state of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Next. Vayar Elohim et haor kitov. And God saw that the light was good. Keneged sefer vayikra. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. How am I going to connect the goodness of the light? God saw that it was good. Well, ain't tov elotorah. We know that from Sukim. Ki tov nosati lokem. I gave you a good inheritance. Ain't tov elotorah. Ki tov nosati lokem. Torosi, right? Altazovu. 
We sing it every Shabbos when we put the Sefer Torah back. There are tons of halachas in Vayikra. There's no narrative. There's no historical stuff going on in Vayikra. It's all about laws. Okay. Vayikra is Torah. Lots of halachas. Very nice. Now let's come to our Sefer Bamidbar. What does Rabbi Simon say? About Sefer Bamidbar. Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Now, God made a separation between the light and the darkness. Sefer Bamidbar. Why? We had, and God saw that the light was good. That's coming out of Mitzrayim from darkness to light. And now there's a whole switcheroo. What happens? Sefer Bamidbar looks at those Yotze Mitzrayim, those people in the Bamidbar, those who departed from Egypt as Yotze Mitzrayim, as Choshech, Liboy Ha'eretz Yisrael, and that's the light. So we came out of Mitzrayim from darkness to light. We're now transitioning, going from Bamidbar into Eretz Yisrael. That's going from also a new darkness into the light. Do you see the, the, the parallelism and the complete chiastic structure? Rabbi Simon has switched us around. Yes, you came out of Egypt. You came out of darkness. You went into the Midbar. Now, thank God, you're out of the darkness. You're in the light. Well, wait a minute. During those 40 years in the Midbar, stuff went down. And that became darkness compared to going to Eretz Yisrael. And then he ends, That's Keneget Sefer Mishnah Torah, which is Deuteronomy, Devarim, Shehumole, Halochas, Rabbos. It's full of laws. Different laws, Vayikra laws are different to Tavaram laws. I don't want to get into that. So the in the incidents in Bamidbar, during the incidents of the spies, which really thematically is the high point of Sefer Bamidbar, precisely because it is the turning point in which God says that the generation that left Mitzrayim will not go into Eretz Israel. That is the separation between the light and the darkness, is the decree separating the generation of the Midbar and the next generation that will go into Eretz Israel. Now, if we read the Eitz Yosef, he says, So he quotes the Yefas Torah, Parshas Bamidbar, Yesh, he now goes back to that two censuses in his commentary to Breshit Rabbah. Remember, this is, you know, medieval. Nitziv is 19th century. So the Nitziv is picking up on this, right? There, are, there is a census of Yotze Mitzrayim, Pinchas, at the end of Bamidbar, there is a counting of Yotze Aretz. Shnei Minyonim Elu, these two censuses mavdilin ben elu sheyotzim mitzrayim leben elu shenichon eretz yisrael like the nasiv says the two censuses form 
the beginning and the end of Sefer Bamidbar. So then the the Yefei Torah, quoting the Eitzios, uh, quoting Yefei says, So now Rabbi Simon, he says, is characterizing the Yotze Mimitzrayim is Yitzias Me'achoshech Toebis Mitzrayim. Coming out of Mitzrayim is Vayar Lakim Kitov. It was good, the light, because they got out. Lebein Eile Shenichnas Yisrael is the Orishel Olam. So he goes from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael. What happened in between? He doesn't say that. He doesn't look at the switcheroo that it takes place. Okay, so we have to look at that. We have to look at the fact that Alpip Shutoshel Dova for Rabbi Simon being in the wilderness was dark. It was a darkness compared to going to Eretz Israel. Now, when we go back to the Nitziv, the Nitziv considers now he's quoting Rabbi Simon in Breshit Rabbah. Now watch what he says. Shehu Mavdil ben Yotze Mitzrayim uben Boel Eretz Yisrael. There is a separation between those who come out of Mitzrayim and those who go into Eretz Yisrael. That's not what the Medrash said. The Medrash said was those who were in Mitzrayim and those who went out of Mitzrayim. They're not that they're going to Eretz Yisrael. Just getting out of Yitzrayim was the light. Those who were going out of Mitzrayim experienced the divine Hashgacha and everyone felt it. It was overt. Which was the original intent that God would have his manifestation in the world. That's why he uses up here Tiferes. The Midas Tiferes, Masha Ain came Bahalichas Boy Eretz Yisrael. Going to Eretz Yisrael was a new type of darkness. Why? The divine providence now going to Eretz Yisrael, it's a new type of darkness. So funny because the commentary on the Midrash was Ain Yafeh. And only who looks with a, 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 an eye in affair, an eye that sees beyond nature, beyond the natural, Margishba, can feel God's presence and divine. So for the Nitziv, going in the darkness of the light is the character of being in Eretz Yisrael. Living in Eretz Yisrael in the real world with the state and the military and the stuff we have to do is like going in darkness. And it was very rarely in certain chapters in Jewish history that we would feel the divine presence. The Nitzib is writing at a time when the Russian government wants to close down his beloved yeshiva, Valozhin, and he doesn't see the divine presence and the providence in all of this. You know, he died a broken man. Just like 
maybe there's a lightning strike in the middle of the night, so there's just a flash of lightning. I think this is a dazzling Nitziv. It's a theory of Jewish history. There is this original time, beyond time, we call the wilderness, the Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, this mythic journey through the wilderness where we were adored Dea, we, we experienced the divine in everything. And then we had to get ready through the second census to be prepared for a new type of darkness. What is the darkness? Living in nature. <laughs> and in many ways, the time when he's writing this, Repsodok HaKoyin and the Morinayim and um, the Meshiloch are writing that the Jews function is to see through the veil of nature. That's the mystical experience. The Nesib does not allow us such a beautiful luxury. We are exposed leprakim, rak leprakim, only in certain times in our history that we have these flashes of lightning in the darkness where we see the light of the divine providence manifesting itself. Very nice. Now let's go a little bit deeper and look at one of the commentators. I call him the Meshiloach. The Meshiloach is writing about 70 years before the Nativ. And I was searching for any Hasidic Rebbe's that talked about these five lights, Yehi Or, Vayihi Or. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like it's ready for a Hasidic interpretation. And I found it in the Meshiloach, the Ishbitzer Rebbe. Now, just remember that, that his Shalshelis goes as follows. Bal Shem Tov, the Magid of Mezrich, sends to Poland the Noah Melimelech, and the Choyze from Lublin. The Choyze's disciple is the Yida Kodosh, the uh, holy Jew of Pshischa. His disciple is Reb Simcha Bonim of Pshischa, and his disciple is the Kotzka Rebbe and the Meishaloach, Reb Mordechai Leiner, Meishaloach. And in the second volume of Meishaloach, so this is later on in his life, he says the following, he or vai he or, Five times it's menish. He doesn't quote the Medrash. He goes straight into this brilliant psychological analysis and says, or It's mentioned five times the word light in the second verse of the Bible. Why? Five times. Could easily have said, and God said, let there be light, and he split the light between the darkness. What's this? all this business? He saw it was good, and it's not good, but splitting. So he goes five times. Okay, let's go through the stages of a man's life. What does that mean? That there is a moment in every person's life when there is an intention beyond us to reveal some kinds of inner spiritual light to us. That's the first one, the intention. Yehi or, let there be light. And that is God, God's talking to himself. Hey, that little boy over there, that boy chico, I'm going to give him some light. 
he's going to go in this path because I'm opening his soul to the light. And it's different for different people. And don't think that you know this. This is unconscious. <laughs> or what Jung would say is the collective unconscious that then must manifest itself uh, in a person. He doesn't feel a thing. It's God busying himself, getting ready to set an aliquot of spiritual light to send down into his soul. Now the second or. And there was light. What's that? I feel a hergish. It's brilliant. I feel something. My life isn't right. I'm a kid and I'm looking and it's just whatever's there is not a knife. I'm searching. A person feels. He begins to feel. He is a hargosha. Step three. Oh, there's something good about this light. Now I realize there is something transcendent. There is a higher power that is, I have a sense. Umevin, nothing more than that. Umevin, and I understand. Okay, so there is this, what uh, Wordsworth would call imit imitations of immortality. <laughs> Beautiful poem, right? intimations of immortality. There is this, what the 19th century British poets would call the sense of the sublime. There's a sense that there's something beyond my life and that I should be pursuing it, that it should be the driver that forces me to pursue this intimation of immortality or the sublime. Number four, what does that mean? The splitting between the light and darkness. That a person understands now that the light and darkness out there is also in here. That there is the two chambers of the heart, as the Balatanya calls it. And the medievalists call it the Yetzir Tov and the Yetzir Hora, whatever. But that there, for the Meshiloach is that there is this, the inner heart of darkness. He's talking about that. Kitov lahamshich achar Hashem. He, it is good. And vayavdil alakim is what? Sheha Adam hu sur meira. In order to pursue this divine light. I'm going to have an eternal lifetime struggle with that inner darkness. To surmeira, I cannot let it overtake me. The sense of depression and the sense of addiction and the sense of hopelessness. I have to run away from that. And even after that, there is the fifth stage. Meaning? It's not enough just to fight the heart of darkness, but you have to take that recognition 
There has to be something in mitzvahs and masin tovim, in the actuals, actualization of your behavior. That mythical behavior has to be coming out in mitzvahs and masin tovim, in mythical behavior and rituals and in good deeds and kindness. I think that this is a brilliant meshaloach. It's an anatomy of the soul in one paragraph. Just brilliant. And I want to end up with that sense of the darkness and the light. And I want to go and quote to you. And if I did, I'll tell you who it is afterwards, but I don't want to tell you until I've read it to you so that I want you to think about it. Never mind where it's coming from, okay? Because you're going to be upset with me. <laughs> God could not persuade. I'm going to do it in an Indian accent <laughs> because he was a guru. God could not persuade the darkness to come before the sun. This happened billions of years ago, they say. The problem remains still unsolved, for darkness is not the opposite of light, but its absence. Darkness is not the opposite of light, but its absence. Understand well the difference between opposite and absence. If darkness is the opposite of light, we could throw a handful on a lamp and the light would go out. We cannot do that for the simple reason that darkness is the absence, the non-presence, the non-being of light. It has no existence of its own. Light has its own existence. When light is not, what remains is darkness. This is not the darkness of Egypt, okay? Chazal talk about the palpable darkness of Egypt. That's a different type of extraterrestrial darkness that descended. This is the light that God created on the first day. In exactly the same manner, all that is considered evil in light, I look upon as darkness, be it greed, sex, anger. All that is bad in life is full of darkness. Generally, we look upon one who fights this darkness. Remember the Meshelor said, Sur Meira. He didn't say fight it. Chidushe Ram said, why does Hasidus look at the Asay Tov? Because the more you grob in the Ra, the more you get sunk in the blotter with the Ra. So we just don't do that. We focus on the good, right? This is what he's saying. One who fights this darkness as an ascetic, a man of temperance, I do not call him so. I consider the methods of such people for, as devices for insanity and hypocrisy. And neither a hypocrite nor a lunatic is a desirable state of being. Darkness is not to be fought with. A lamp has to be lit. In the presence of light, there's no darkness. Whatever is excellent in life, that alone is truth. Its absence is neither the opposite nor the inverse of its presence. Its absence is its pure non-presence alone. And therefore, a man of violence can cultivate non-violence, but the violence remains within. I love this. How many years one struggles with the Yetzirah, and you can try and cultivate non-violence, but the violence remains within. A man may cultivate celibacy, but sex will rage just as much within. Such self-control is deception, and I am against it. I am in favor 
of that self-control in which we do not subdue the evil, don't subdue it, but awaken the good within. Does that not like sound like the Baal Shem Tov? If you have a Yetzirah, what do you do? You schlep him to the base medrash. You don't fight the Yetzirah, but awaken the good within. We do not remove darkness, but kindle a light within. Such awakening transforms the man and takes him to the temple of truth. He who awakens to the truth reaches this temple. And I want to end with this quote, because someone is asking him in one of the sessions, and she's asking him about fighting the evil inclination. And so he says to her, you are surrounded by many darknesses, greed, anger, jealousy, lust, ambition, ego. They are layers of darkness. If you start fighting with all the layers of darkness, you're not going to win. There's no way to fight directly with darkness. Darkness does not exist in the first place. It is only the absence of light. So if you want to do something with the darkness, don't try to do it directly. Do something with light. If you want darkness, put the light out. If you want, don't want darkness, put the light on. But do something with the light. Forget about the darkness. If light is there, darkness is not there. If light is not there, you can't avoid the darkness. You can close your eyes. You can tr try and to forget about it. You can become occupied somewhere else. You can take your mind far, far away from it, but it's there all the same. It will show in your acts, in your thoughts, in your behavior. It will come up and up again. You cannot hide it. It is impossible to hide it. The truth of your being, whatever it is, is bound to the surface. I, I think that this is really what the Meshiloch is saying with those five stages of light and how we have to somehow fight the darkness, whether it's political darkness, Eretz Yisrael darkness, darkness in our, in our lives, in our pandemics, as we come into this night of receiving the light of Torah. It is the light that we need to be able to integrate within ourselves. And there are many different techniques to get rid of the darkness, the sur meirah. But I think that coming back to and ending up with the holy Natsiv, what he is telling us historically is occurring to us existentially, that we're going from this Elysian fields of feeling and sense of hashgacha, which could well be intrauterine, <laughs> into the real world where we don't see the hashgacha of the Rabboni Shloylam, both in the macro level, the political level, the geopolitical level, and the micro level within ourselves. So I bless everyone to experience this light, to latch on to the light, this yontav, and we should all see good news in Eretz Yisrael, and have a wonderful, wonderful yontav. This, who is this? Uh, I have a question. Hello, hello, hello. Who is this, uh, the last quote you, you got, this is Guru you call, who is that person, please? 